You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. How do y'all feel today? Good? Good. All right. Well, if you have, this is like the, the second time that somebody's called me right as, start, as soon as I start preaching a message. So um, if you guys would open your Bibles this morning to Jeremiah chapter 38. I don't know if you spent a lot of time in Jeremiah, Jeremiah lately, but we're going to start a new sermon series this weekend. Um, and I'm really looking forward to what God has to say. But before I jump into that, I do want to take an opportunity to pray and kind of give you an update on how we're going with our senior pastor search. Um, we've had some, I asked you a few weeks back if you'd be praying, we were going to have some really um, pivotal meetings and a lot of stuff was fixing to start happening and, and just really important moment. And um, we've had an elders meeting last Thursday. We actually had a presentation from um, our consultant at the beginning of May. And so it's like we have... Um, entered into this, uh, this, this moment in our search for the senior pastor where um, we have candidates that are before us and we've started doing interviews, okay? And so uh, basically what, what that looks like is we uh, had, I told you a couple of weeks ago, 41 or 42. Now it's been 52 um, quality candidates that have uh, applied for uh, the position that we have open to be the next pastor of Grace Through Faith. And our consultants whittled that down to six. We gave them kind of a criteria of what we were looking for um, in our pastor, and they were able to, to whittle that down to six. And so those six pastors were presented to us, and now I've been doing interviews with all six of those. Last Thursday, we had an elders meeting, and our elders got together, and we, we had some time from the beginning of May to last Thursday to just kind of listen to sermons, pray through each of those candidates, and then with you know a, a little bit of time to process what God was saying to each one of us as elders, come together and then just kind of debrief. And so from that meeting Thursday, we took it from six candidates down to two. Um, we feel good about where God's taking us. And, and I'm just, I can tell you my perspective, I'm excited. I, I have a lot of hope. Um, and and I, I think even the series that I'm going to start this morning is, is what God is saying to our church. What he's saying uh, is going on right now, and there are good things ahead. Um, and I'm, I'm believing that. I, I, I'm starting to see that. I think our elders are starting to see that, which brings a lot of excitement in my heart. And so uh, the thing that I would encourage you to do is continue to be patient. Thank you for your patience, by the way. Um, continue to be patient. And if you could, guys could um, continue to pray for us. And, and two things that I would specifically ask for you to be praying for is a moment of clarity, that's, that's what I'm asking for, and I think that's what our elders are asking for, is that as we continue down, we're going to enter into another round of interviews where these final two candidates are actually going to come and have an interview with our elders, all of the elders together, not just myself. And we're looking for a moment of clarity um, for God to really speak. And so I, I want to just ask you to pray that with us. And the second thing that I'd ask you to pray for is that God would give us wisdom. We want to make wise choices and what the Word of God says in James is that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give it to him freely. God wants to give you and I wisdom to make great choices. And so I just want to pray that this morning. I want to ask you to continue to pray that for us as a church leadership as we continue to walk the path that's for us. So Father God, we just come to you this morning, and we thank you so much for each and every um, man and his family that has, has expressed interest in looking at the position here at GTF to be the next pastor. Pray your blessing on them, God. I pray, Father, that, um, that you would continue to, to unfold their journey with where you have them 
in, in your plan for their life in this next season. But Lord, as we focus on what you're doing right here, God, we ask that you'd speak. We ask, God, that you would bring clarity. Pray that you would pour out wisdom upon our elders. I just pray, God, even for unity, God, that the, as, as we begin to walk these, these next few weeks out, God, that there would be a clarity and wisdom that's poured out, but that our, our elders would come together and there would be unity on what you're saying to do and what, you're, what direction you're leading us in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'll, I'll continue to try to give you some updates. Hopefully we'll have some, some, um, some uh, more detailed news in the weeks to come. So y'all just keep praying for us, please. Okay, so we are going to start a new sermon series titled Good Things. Okay? And one of the things that's kind of on my heart is April and I were kind of getting ready for her message last week. She, she was kind of pulling me into what she was going to preach on. And I was like, well, this is what I'm kind of feeling. And, and so this basically, as if you were able to listen to April's message last week, I hope it blessed you. If you didn't, go back and listen to it because it was really great. Um, God, was, God was using her to speak a lot of what I'm going to say again today. And I was actually wrestling with this and I was talking to her um, probably Thursday, and I was like, man, I'm having a hard time not just re-preaching what you preached last week. And, uh, and I think that as I was processing through that, it's like God wants to say something. And one of the things that I've learned in Scripture and in life, whenever you get repetition, you need to pay attention, is that God repeats himself regularly. If you read the Bible, there's times whenever Jesus would repeat himself. He would say, truly, truly, I say to you. And the reason he said it twice is so that everybody would go, oh, He's fixed to say something really important. And so one of the things that I want you to, to, to open your heart to is that God, I feel like, wants to repeat some things because he really does have some good things ahead. And here's the reason I think that God wants to repeat some things is because sometimes we have a hard time believing that. It's like Pastor Bo was ministering during worship. It's like we get into this moment whenever God says, hey, I have good things for you ahead, and you're going through a really hard time. It's really easy to adopt an attitude in that moment of going, yeah, right. Uh, I, just, I just don't see how this can get any better. And I think that God, as we walk through some of this, we're going to talk about how to receive good things and how to position yourself to receive good things. But really today what I want to talk about is how to believe for good things. Okay, everybody, nobody's exempt from this, but everyone needs a reminder from time to time that good things are ahead. And that's not just wishful thinking. That's God is planning good things for you right now. No matter what you're going through, that's what hope is. Hope is a future reality that God is doing something and he's planning something good for you, for me. For all of us. Jeremiah, we're fixing to read from the prophet Jeremiah, and I'll just have to confess to you, this is one of my least favorite prophets in the entire Bible. Now, I don't want to set him up for failure, okay, because I think that, that, that there's a really good word of what uh, I'm going to read to you from Jeremiah's life today. Um, but one of the reasons that I, I don't like Jeremiah is because he is going through one of the worst moments in Israel's history. They're being conquered. And he was the prophet that was sent to prophesy the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel as they were being defeated. And in the midst of prophesying defeat, and that's one of his messages that he, he prophesied, in the midst of, of prophesying failure and destruction and defeat to the nation of Israel, he says this, and probably almost everybody in the room has heard this verse before. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In the midst of Israel fixing to go through a brutal defeat, Jeremiah prophesies good things. I have a feeling that for Jeremiah, that was something that he needed to be reminded of in his life as well, and I want to show you why I say that. So look at Jeremiah chapter 38, okay? This is just nine chapters after the verse that we just read where he said, for I know the plans that I have for you. And if I could just summarize that statement, it's good things. I have good things and good plans for you, O Israel, Okay? And so GTF, the Lord has good things for us, but this is Jeremiah's life, okay? This is his life experience that he was going through in Jeremiah chapter 38. Look at verse 1. Now, Shephathiah the son of Matan, Gedaliah the son of Peshur, Jukal the son of Shelemiah, and Peshur son of Malachi, oh, I'm sorry, Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people. And these were the words that Jeremiah was prophesying that these guys paid attention to. Thus says the Lord, he who stays in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and by pestilence. But he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and be taken. End quote. That was Jeremiah's message. And these four guys were listening to the prophet of the Lord speak these words and look at verse verse 4. Then these officials said to the king, let this man be put to death. For he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in the city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. Then King Zedekiah said, behold, he is in your hands... For the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malachi. I'm sorry, of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. That's a bad day. That's a bad moment. Jeremiah's message evoked this response from the people of God to where they not just rejected him, but tried to kill him. You know, this happened to almost all of the prophets in the Old Testament. No prophet was ever really received very well, unless they were prophesying something good, right? It's like, if you got good news for me, then you get the king's favor. But if you got bad news, then I don't want to talk to you. You're not my friend. And that's the the boat that Jeremiah found himself in. He was prophesying that Jerusalem, the city of God, was going to fall. It was going to fall to the king of Babylon because Israel, Judah and Jerusalem specifically, were rebelling against the word of the Lord and they were not returning to him. And so Jeremiah began to prophesy the word of the Lord. And here's the problem. As he stood in the king's court and prophesied this message to the king, There were other prophets in the same room. And as he began to share the word of the Lord, those other prophets that were in the room were contradicting him. As a matter of fact, there was one altercation that Jeremiah had whenever he was prophesying to the king of Israel in the king's court where another prophet came and punched him right in the face. It said that he was lying. 
that God was going to save the city and the, and the people of Israel were going to have this huge victory. Now listen, as, as you see this scenario in Jeremiah's life, I wonder what it would be like to be in his shoes. There's days that you and I have where we find ourselves in a very difficult moment. The thing that I want you to realize today is it is a moment. Not only did, was he prophesying that the city will fall, but one of the things that he was advocating in this message, this was God's will, okay? He was revealing this to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah as a prophet was relaying it to the nation of Israel. Not only was he saying that the nation or the city was going to fall, he was prophesying to the entire nation the instruction for what God wanted them to do. He wanted them to surrender. He actually says, that the verses that we just read, he, he, he gave them this promise. And this doesn't feel like a very great promise to me, but it's a promise nonetheless. And what the promise of the Lord was in this moment for the nation of Israel is, surrender and you will live. See, what they were scared of is that they would surrender and that they would be killed, that they would be tortured, that they would be maimed, that, that all the women and the children would be mistreated. Nobody wants to surrender whenever you're in a war back in this day, right? But that was the word of the Lord. If you will just surrender to the king of Babylon, he will be my blessing for you. Now, the thing that's funny to me is there are times in our life, and the enemy wins whenever he can get us out of step with God. And it's amazing to me that whenever we are suffering a defeat and the defeat, the, the, the downgrade, if you'll think of it that way. The downgrade in our life in that moment, whenever that downgrade is from the Lord, we want to fight it and go, no, this can't end. It's going to be good and we're going to keep pushing. That's what the nation of Israel was doing. But they were out of step with what God was saying. But then there's other times whenever we're down, right? And we've been defeated and we've been downtrodden and God is saying, hey, I've got good things for you. And we're like, well, no, I can't, it, it can't get any better. And we stop engaging. If the only thing that I can do in seasons that are hard is just stay in alignment with what God is doing, you will be successful. Amen. We're going to talk about how to wait for good things next week and the weeks after, but today I just want you to begin to believe that good things are ahead. Now let's talk about this muddy pit. And one of the things that I notice about this muddy pit and I think about is if you could imagine being Jeremiah for just a second. And this death sentence that was carried out on his life, this attempt to kill him that was being unfolded, these people lowered him into this pit. Now, here's the thing that's cruel, in my opinion, and very evil. Is that they weren't just trying to kill him, they were trying to torture him. Because if they wanted to kill him, they could just throw him into the pit. But it said they lowered him in. It's like, let's don't break his neck. Let's don't, let's don't uh, you know, hurt him to the point where it's going to kill him on the way down into the bottom of this cistern. But let's lower him gently down into this, this pit. And the thing that you, you think about whenever you think about muddy pits, I don't know what, what you're thinking about, but this was a well. It was a cistern. And these cisterns, because the, the king of Babylon had besieged Jerusalem, there was no, the water was running out, and this was one of the empty cisterns. The people were going hungry. Water was scarce, food was scarce, and so they were using this, and there was just enough water at the bottom of this cistern that it hadn't completely dried up, and there was just a, a muddy mess at the bottom of the well, and that was his death sentence. It says they lowered him down, 
and he got into the mud and he sank into the mud. I don't know if you've ever been to the bottom of a well, but I can imagine that that mud isn't very shallow. Was he, did he sink down waist deep? Did he sink down to his armpits, to his neck? How deep did he sink down? And, and as you think about this cistern, I just want to paint the picture for you how, how bad Jeremiah was in, how, in what way Jeremiah was having a bad experience in his life in this moment. To die in the bottom of a cistern would take weeks. He had enough water there, probably to drink some dirty water. He had some buddies down there with him, I'm sure with frogs and snakes and yucky things, that he could eat for a little while. And so this was a death that was not just torturous, but it was a death by attrition. And I can't imagine what was going through Jeremiah's mind day in and day out as he sat in the bottom of that well. Imagine his state of mind. I'm sure that he felt forsaken by God. I'm sure that he felt, because he has the same emotions that you do and I do, I'm sure he felt betrayed by his, his countrymen. The people that he was, uh, you know, they were his brethren. And they were the ones that threw him down into this pit. Not only emotionally, but I'm, I'm wondering what his thought life was like as he's sinking in the mud and day after day after day goes by. This is the guy who prophesied Jeremiah 29, 11 that we read just a second ago. For I know the plans that I have for you. I don't know what Jeremiah was thinking, but I know what I would be thinking. You knew the plans? A tip would have been great, God. You know, you could have clued me in any moment that this was fixing to happen. Plans of hope and a future, plans of prosperity. It's like, this really doesn't feel like a good thing. Have you ever been in one of those moments? So that's where Jeremiah was. And here's the thing that I want you to see, and I said it just a second ago. We all need to be reminded from time to time that God has good things just around the corner. Jeremiah was no exception. The man who prophesied the scripture that most of us have hanging in our house or, or on our Facebook page, for I know the plans that I have for you, he had to live that, not just say it. And as he's in the bottom of this well, I'm sure that he had every opportunity in the world to have zero faith. What muddy pit do you find yourself in today? That's the question. As you look at Jeremiah's life and as you hear his story and we read these passages, what muddy pit, what hopeless circumstance do you find yourself in that you're finding it hard to believe for good things ahead? I think we can all find something in our life that's a struggle right now. And as you do that, I want to share with you some pro tips about what to do whenever you find yourself in a muddy pit. Now, as I kind of go through these pro tips, here's, here's the thing that I want you to see is these are the pro tips that I'm going to share with you about what to do when you're in a muddy pit after there's nothing left to do. See, I love to-do lists, okay? I, I, make to, I made a to-do list yesterday. April and I, we got up. The first thing we did before we started cooking breakfast was we started making a list of what all we needed from the grocery store. Do I have any other list people in the room today? <laughs> yeah, okay. 
I love to-do lists. Tomorrow morning, whenever I come into work, I'm going to make a list of all the stuff that I need to get accomplished in the week, and I'll just start hammering on that list all week long. The reason that I love to-do lists is because they keep me active and keep me focused and keep me producing what I need to do so that I don't waste my day. Now, here's the thing about to-do lists is there are moments in your life whenever you go through a crisis and you go through all the stuff that you're supposed to do and you get to the bottom of the list and nothing's happened. That's what I want to talk about. See, a fire starts in your kitchen. You should go through the, the checklist of, okay, where is the fire extinguisher? And, oh, my goodness, that didn't work, and I'm going to call 911, and now I need to get out of the house. And it's like you have the things that you're supposed to do, right? But there are moments and there are crises that we find ourselves in from time to time where we have done all the stuff that we know to do, and the list is all gone, and nothing's changed. These are the pro tips that I want to talk about. So throw your to-do list out, and this is the pro tip of what to do when you find yourself in a hopeless situation at the bottom of a muddy pit. So if you're a note taker, type these out in a note on your phone or jot them down real quick because these can change your life. These are timeless truths that work. Here's the first thing. Cry out to the Lord. When you need rescued, you need God. And we preachers, I'm going to put myself in the same boat right now as everybody else that I'm fixing to throw under the bus, okay? We preachers are real good about talking about our prayer lives and go, you know, we shouldn't just talk to God whenever, we need an, whenever we're in a bind and have an emergency. But listen to me, whenever you find yourself in a bind and you're in an emergency, there's no better person to talk to than God. If you find yourself in a hopeless circumstance, do not allow this thinking to enter into your mind and this inaction to enter into your being where you say, oh God, I can't talk to you right now. I'm not good. I've sinned. I've turned away from you. Listen, when you need God, you need God. And your acknowledgement that you need help from the Most High is a humbling thing and it brings you to a place where you're low before God and He gives grace to the humble. Acting like you don't need help is not going to get you any help from the Lord. But if you lower your, your knee, if you bend your knee and you lower your heart and you say, God, I don't know what to do. I've done everything that I know to do and I need help. God answers that prayer. He meets us at that place Whenever we cry out to the Lord, Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. He shows up. When we need Him, He is there. He is not going to run from you whenever you need Him the most. So reach out to God. Second thing. These work. Okay? Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. But I can't hear God. Open your Bible. Ask God to speak to you. I need something to hold on to, Lord. Would you give me a word? And as God is beginning to speak to you, you need to cling to that. The word of God is bread that gives life. And whenever you are in a place of crisis, 
You need to hear the Lord. And listen, if you're here today and you're like, I don't know how to hear God. I can't hear God. It's like he's just not speaking to me right now. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. I mean, Pastor Bo ministered it to you this morning during worship. Um, April ministered it to you last Sunday. And I'm sitting here saying the same thing. Good things are ahead. That's the word of the Lord right now for you. God is speaking that. So grab it. And hold on to it. And that's what you do with God's word. Is whenever God speaks a promise to you, there's a scripture that leaps off the page and it's for you right now. Don't brush past that. Write it down. Grab on to it. Hang on for dear life to God's promise and his infallible word. So cry out to the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Here's the last one. And this is maybe the most challenging, but it works. Believe it. Here's something that I've learned in life as I follow Jesus. And this has been a revelation for me, honestly. This is probably one of the bigger revelations. And, and I, I, maybe I'm just more thick-headed than most people. But this is something that I've learned. And it's redefined my life. Faith does not just magically appear. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. Is faith is something that is generated inside of you, and you eventually have to put action with what you're thinking that you could believe in? This is what Romans chapter 10 says it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And so you get a word from the Lord, and you hang on to the word of the Lord, but you still have to take one more step and believe it. You have to believe it. I'll give you an, an everyday example that, that, that kind of helped me see this um, as I was getting this, this message ready. Because here's the thing that I want you to see is, is faith does not just magically appear. What has to happen is you put your faith in something. You have to place your faith in something. And so here's the story, that I, this illustration that I came up with yesterday. And it's kind of gross, Sorry. Um, but this was a couple years back. We were having um, you know, a normal weekend like everybody does and didn't have a lot on the agenda. And all of a sudden, I hear from the bathroom the, the words that every dad hates to hear. Dad, the toilet's clogged. And so I go into the toilet, and I go like, ah, oh, yeah, I got this. So I went to the bathroom, got the plunger. I start plunging. I plunged forever, and nothing happened. And I mean, it, I was just getting to this place where I was so angry because I was just, I started having these thoughts of failure in my life. Like, you could call a plumber, Jory. And I was like, no, I cannot call a plumber. If I cannot get rid of a clog, I am not a man. And so I'm wrestling with this, and I'm just, hour after hour goes by, and, and you know, one of the girls would come by and like, can I use the bathroom yet? No, it's unavailable. Go use the other bed. I'm just mad, right? And so I had this idea. I was like, well, I'm just going to YouTube. How many of y'all, y'all do YouTube for every single thing around the house? Yeah, so I'm going to go check out some YouTube videos about how I can, you know, unclog a toilet without a plunger because the plunger was not working. And so I YouTubed all these videos, and I started watching a couple, and there was this one that I ran across, and here's a pro tip for you guys that does not have anything to do with Jesus, okay? And so I ran across this, this YouTube video about how to take... Dishwashing soap. Has anybody ever done this before? Okay, so I took Dawn dishwashing soap and, and just hot water, boiling hot water, poured the, a little bit of hot water in there and just filled it full of Dawn dishwashing soap in the bowl and in the tank. Okay? I let it sit there for about an hour and I flushed the toilet and it moved. I don't have to go into the it, right? 
Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so, and it moved. There was movement that happened. I was like, okay, we got, this was better than the plunger. And so I tried it again. I had to do it three times. But after the third time, it cleaned the line out and the problem was solved. Can I get a, a round of applause? I know that was very <laughs> ingratiating towards myself, but I feel like I needed a pat on the back that day, and everybody was just like, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Here's the point of the story, is whenever I watched that YouTube video, I saw this unconventional way that I had never heard of to unclog a toilet, and I was like, I don't know about that. I don't think that's going to work. And I went back to plunging for a little while, to be honest with you. But then I was just like, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to try this. And I placed my faith, as small as it was, I placed my faith in something, and then action followed. See, faith does not magically appear in your life. And I think that for a long time in my early days of following Jesus, I thought I was just going to wake up one day, and it's like I was just going to believe it all. I wasn't going to have any more doubts. I wasn't going to have any more questions. I was, going to, I was just going to freely believe everything that's in this book. And listen, that's not how it works. You have to take the little mustard seed of faith that you have right now and place it in this word to the point where you will begin to bring action to what God is asking of you to do. Listen, faith without works is dead. It's not faith at all if you're not willing to do it. Okay, And so here's the thing that I want you to see as you listen to these pro tips is if you're in a, a jam right now, maybe you're in the worst crisis of your entire life, these things work. Cry out to God. Cling to the word of God that he's speaking over your life right now and believe it with everything inside of you. Place your faith in the word of the Lord and those will be the things that begin to move to the point of being rescued. Because listen, whenever you need to be rescued, you need Jesus. So, let's look at Jeremiah's rescue. Look at the very next verse from where we read, verse 7. So where we left Jeremiah, he was in the bottom of this muddy pit, and he sunk in. And he's left there day after day after day. So some time has gone on. And then all of a sudden, verse 7, when Ebed-Melech... The Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern. The king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, and then Ebed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, The Lord, the king, my lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern, and he will die there of hunger, for there is no bread left in the city." Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, take 30 men with you from here and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went to the house of the king to a wardrobe in the storehouse and took from there old rags and worn out clothes, which he let down to Jeremiah to the cistern by ropes. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, put the rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. Then they drew Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. He was rescued. The reason that I say that Jeremiah had been in there for some time is because the whole idea of using these old rags 
See, he, he had, his skin had been moist for so long that they couldn't just put a rope around him because his, his skin was that thin. They had to put something between him so that he didn't just bleed to death as they were pulling him out. And as I was looking at this rescue effort, there were some things that I noticed that I wrote down about this rescue effort. And I want to share these with you. The first one is this. Eben Melloc had to put his neck on the line. Listen, I think that there may be some people who are here listening to this message and you don't find yourself in a moment of crisis right now. It's like, you're, you're, you're hearing me preach this thing and you're like, man, I'm, I'm actually experiencing good things. Well, maybe you need to hear this message from Ebed Melloc's point of view. And maybe this is a reminder for you to not forget to help somebody else out. And here's the thing that I want you to understand that Ebed Melloc had to do. He had to put his neck on the line to help Jeremiah out. This was no small thing. He's a eunuch. He's working in the same king's court as Jeremiah is working as a prophet. He's a eunuch. He's a prophet. And he sees Jeremiah. Maybe they're friends. I don't know. But he knows Jeremiah. He's at least a colleague of his. And he sees what's happening to him. And day after day goes by. And he's like, man, do I need to go say something to the king today? Maybe it's risky. Maybe it's inconvenient. Maybe there's, there's these things that need to be done that's going to that's gonna tap into some of your resources. Whatever it is, stand up and help. Ebed Melloc stuck his neck on the line, he went and talked to the king, and he actually had favor. He would not have known that until he asked. Because this king that he talked to was the same king that, that approved, checkmark, of Jeremiah being thrown into the, the cistern. Ebed Melloc took the risk and it benefited Jeremiah. Don't be afraid to take a risk in your life because it may benefit more than just you, somebody else. Second thing I notice is help comes from community, the community around you. If you're in a place where you're, you're, you're struggling right now, do not be a lone ranger in that moment. Ebed Melloc wasn't even able to rescue Jeremiah on his own. He had to have 30 other men help him. And so here's the thing, as I was reading through this, it was just a great reminder for me is whenever I'm struggling, I need people. I need my friends. I need my church. I need my community of faith in those moments to help me. You were not built to carry burdens on your own. We're called to bear one another's burdens. And so if you're struggling, please ask for help. Not just from the Lord, but from other people around you who you can trust. I understand everybody's situation, whenever you're going through a crisis, sometimes it's very sensitive and private. But ask for help. You need the community around you. And here's the last thing that I noticed about this rescue effort. Jeremiah's enemies lowered him, but his rescuers lifted him. Don't hang out with people that, that put you down. Whenever, you're talk, whenever I'm talking about this community of people that you need help from, surround, your people with people, surround yourself with people who lift you up. If you, one of the things that we've done in our kids' lives is teach them how to pick friends. And it's amazing to me that we need to be taught to do that. It's not amazing. It's actually kind of a, a no-brainer. But it's like I have to have, I've had to have, learn those lessons in my own life. Is Who are the friends that I'm going to put around me? Sometimes I was a bad picker, especially whenever I was young. Surround yourself with people who are going to help bring the best out of you. And they'll be there whenever you need them the most. 
Good things were around the corner for Jeremiah. He found himself in a momentary issue that God was ready to resolve. It required people to step in and intervene. It required a community of people to help him out. But God still has good things, had good things in store for Jeremiah. And he has good things for you. Romans 10 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I'm not saying that bad things are never going to happen to you, but what I am saying is that whatever bad thing does happen in your life, God has a better plan. He speaks a better word. Romans 8, 28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. God has something better than what you're going through right now. Believe it. Hold on to the word of the Lord. Call out to Him whenever you need Him, but believe that God has good things. Amen? If you would stand with me this morning. We're going to take communion. If you need elements, if you just raise your hand, then our ushers would love to put some some elements in, in your possession. Once you, get, once you have your elements ready, I want you to just turn your attention back up here to me and I want to pray for us. Everyone needs to be reminded from time to time that God has good things ahead. And if you're in that place today where you're going through a hard time, then as we take this, the, the, the communion that we're fixing to take and take the bread and take the wine, and we're reminded of the cross that Christ bore on our behalf, the death that he took in our stead and his resurrection. I want you to begin to remember the offering that I made to you today. If you're here today and you need help, call upon the Lord. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's talking about our eternal state as much as he's talking about what's going on in your life right now. If you're in a place where you need help, where you need to be rescued, here's a moment for you to call out to the Lord, to begin to ask Him. As we remember these elements, there's there's postures that we take whenever we take communion where we're saying thank you to God. We're saying, God, we remember you, we honor you, we, we acknowledge what you've done. But there's also an appropriate response where we say, God, I need your salvation. I need the hand of the Lord to move in my life right now. And as I take this cup and I take this bread, I am calling out to you. I'm turning my situation over to you and I'm asking for your intervention. And so, Father, I just pray for every single person who needs a miracle here this morning, who needs to be rescued, God. I pray for miracles from heaven to be poured out in their circumstance. I pray, Father, that your strong hand would be manifested in their lives. And that as we begin to call out and cry out to you, God, and reach for your help, Lord, that we would find it and find it quickly. In Jesus' name.